Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, what's up, everybody? Y'all good today? Why don't you give Jesus a hand real quick? Just give him your best for a second. Come on, he's worthy of praise. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for bringing us together in this place. Lord, we're here for you today. We need you. It's such an honor to get to be in your presence. Thank you for seating us in your uh, presence, God. Thank you for uh, having company with us. Thank you for being in this place. Lord, I believe that you're here today and anything can happen in Jesus' matchless name. Someone said, amen, amen, amen. It is good to be back. They've been telling me I can't preach for an hour. Uh, and so I usually take uh, July off and just uh, get uh, refreshed and get, get excited and, and uh, just hear what God's saying for the new season. So come on, we got the SECs growing. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. And uh, I don't know if that's God, but it's happening. And uh, I'm excited about it. And I just, I'm not going to preach to you for an hour today, but I really have a, a whole series on my heart for this month called Anchored. Uh, we got a lot going on in church. I'd love you to get plugged in. Uh, jump into our Serve Knock Saturday coming up next week. We've got back to school prayer. Bring your students. Bring somebody you know. We're going to pray for and anoint everybody uh, who's a teacher, administrator, student. We got oil. We're going to have our ministry team up here. And so if you know somebody that needs prayer or as a, as a teacher, we're going to have an amazing service next week for them. And I think of all times, um, we need an anchor in this planet. I think if there's any time on the earth when, when God's people need something to anchor them down, to keep us steady and stable, uh, it's the, in this hour. And I, I believe that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, talks all about Jesus being our anchor. And so we're going to go through Hebrews through this next month, month and a half, maybe six weeks. I'm going to take you through the book. And a lot of, a lot of times, uh, you know, I preach and I teach a little bit. I do both. And so this is going to be a combination, but it's going to be more so going through the book, looking at a little more verses than usual and and so I'm going to try to make it uh, just about Jesus. I want you to see the anchor that you have. I think God's people need the anchor um, to, to hold steady because we have the answer, we have the anchor, and the world is shifting and moving and swaying, and, and we can be the actual uh, anchor of God in the earth for people that are on the move and don't know where they are. The book of Hebrews is really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with the first three verses today of the book predominantly. I'm going to try to go from Hebrews 1.1 all the way through to chapter 2, verse 4. Hebrews 1.1 to chapter 2, verse 4. So I'm going to give you, he looked at me like, I don't believe it. He ain't going to make it. <laughs> he went, nah. Uh, we're going to, some of it, I'm going to give a little summation in some areas. Uh, but I'm going to really deal with verses 1 through 3. 1 through 3 uh, uh, verse one through three in the chapter of Hebrews is in chapter one is really the summation of the entire book. It, it's really it's really the entire book summarized into three verses. Many theologians believe that chapter one, chapter one, verses one through three, those three verses are equal to or superior to all of New Testament scripture. That literally the first three verses of Hebrews are the summation of who Jesus is, why he came, what he's called to do, and why he did it. It's a, it's an amazing picture. We're going to begin in verse one. Y'all with me today? You got your Bible? Okay. Awesome. Couple of you. You got an old school turning pages Bible that you can write in right now? No, I knew it. I knew it. We got it on the screen for you. Here's what it says. Verse one, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. You got to get that. God who at times past 
God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past, various times and in various ways, all types of ways and at all different times spoke in times past to the fathers, to our forefathers, to, to all that went before us before Jesus, to the prophets and, and Moses and to all those he spoke to our fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Isn't it cool that God wants to talk to you? Isn't it mind-blowing that the God of the universe wants to get you a message, wants to communicate and speak to you? He says, in these last days is spoken to us by a son whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the, by the word of his power when he had by himself, come on, he's God by himself, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. That is a college course for about a whole semester right there. I'm gonna give it to you in 30 minutes because you came to church today. My title for today is very simple. It's hand delivered, hand delivered. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much that you wanna speak to us. Jesus, hand deliver your message to us today in a new way. Uh, and, and thank you for the, the truth of who you are, the, your creator, your heir of all things, your, your majestic, you're seated at the right hand. Lord, speak to us today about our situation and our life. Be the anchor for us and hand deliver a message to us today in Jesus' name. Amen? Hand delivered. I've gotten used to hand delivered stuff through this pandemic. We began to use Uber Eats like never before. I don't know, any Uber, who's Uber, any Uber Eats people in here? Any, any, any uh, DoorDash? Come on, who's like DoorDash? I can see all your ages because a certain age and up, you're like, I ain't calling nobody to bring food to my door, you know? So I'm not, you, an app? What's an app? To get food here? You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, no. Come on, any Prime members? Any, whole, any Amazon Prime members? Any Whole Food free delivery to your house, people? You know what I'm talking about? One time my wife said, I need you to go pick up Whole Foods when I've pre-ordered it and it's there for you to pick up. I walk in, we got masks, we're, we're suited up, we go in and there's these giant refrigerators all lined down with these brown bags with names stapled to it with all of the order it is. I was there for about 45 minutes trying to find my name, trying to find my bag, trying to find my groceries. I couldn't, I could, I'm calling my wife three times. I got managers on the phone. I got Whole Foods people running in the back. They're like, you're, you're in the wrong section, sir. I'm like, I just, I just, it's just a pickup. It's a, it's my, and it's just confusing. And she said, oh, we can just, we're prime members. It's free. They'll hand deliver it to our door. I'm like, come on somebody. That's Jesus. Anybody ever gone to the post office and tried to mail something? Huh? All the options there. You've got pre-registered, registered, two-day, three-day, five-day, seven-day, insured, not insured. You can pay extra money to make sure you knew you mailed it. Oh, my God, I thought I mailed it. They're like, what option do you want? I'm confused every time I go to the post office. I don't know what option I want. And they're like, what would you like, sir? I'm like, I don't know. And every time there's a, it's like, I don't know. I just, I just want it to get to the people that I intended it to get to. And I want them to open up the box and I want them to see my love and hear uh, my heart and the gift that they saw that I gave to them that it was in one piece in one package and it got to the right door at the right time in the right season and they opened it and know that I love them. I want that. They're like, well, sir, that's hand delivered. And you'll have to carry it yourself. That's really the summation of this, this verse here. That's the summation of the book that God knew that in times past and in various ways, the apostles telling us that he spoke, he communicated to our forefathers in inconsistent, non-concise, incomplete ways. They were confusing. They were various times in various ways. 
but he spoke in these ways that were hard to understand. It, it was hard to receive the message. And Paul's telling us that God knew he needed to get a message to us and he wanted us to understand it. He wanted to get to the doorstep of our life. He wanted us to open it up and actually realize God's love for us. So God said, I'm gonna have to hand deliver it to them. It's not gonna be a, a second. God said, I'm the original DoorDash. Jesus is at your doorstep. God's the original Uber Eats somebody. God decided, I've got to get this to your door. I need you to understand it. So I know it's going to cost me everything, but I will actually carry it myself. That's the summation of these, the entire book of Hebrews. God's saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to carry it myself. In times past and in various ways, it was incomplete, inconsistent, not concise, confusing. You're like, Pastor, in the Old Testament, you think it was incomplete? Well, God said it was. I mean, at certain times, God spoke. And then 400 years of silence. At certain times, God opened up the earth and sucked people into earthquakes. It's a little confusing. At, at certain times, there were prophets and bears and, 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 and different uh, plagues. And there were pages upon pages and, and books upon books and, and letters upon letters written through, through errant people that came to this, to this earth in an inconsistent, incomplete way. And God said, it's not getting into their heart. It's not getting where I need it to get to. So I'm going to actually send it into their heart by my son. I'm going to get it into their life through a hand-delivered message called Jesus. And it's going to be so complete, hear me, it's going to be so complete and so concise and so consistent that the message never changes that you and I are going to be able to understand it. Paul is speaking to New Testament Christians. Now, you have to understand what's happening. They've been, they've been Christians for a little while, but their ancestors and their forefathers and them themselves have followed a, for a thousand years the Mosaic traditions. They followed the law and other systems and angelic worship and all these different uh, and, and temple worship and, and sacrificial systems. And so they've got all that. They have a thousand year history with all these other systems. And now Paul's saying, you can't have all that and Jesus. He's trying to show the superiority and the supreme being of who Jesus is, that he overarches all of that. And what's happened is they've just taken Jesus and they've, they've taken their old systems and they've added Jesus to it. Have any of you ever taken your old system and added Sunday to it? Oh, y'all ain't going to be true in church today. Like, mm. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we've all taken some system and just put Jesus on top of it. Come on, we've taken some, some thought, some, some, some self-effort, some, some sin issue, something we just slap Jesus on top of it and continue in another system, and we can't do that. Here's the first thought. Jesus plus anything equals confusion. Jesus plus anything in my life and your life equals confusion. I think so often we're trying to uh, clarify our life and make our life stronger and better and easier by adding stuff to our life. And I think real clarity comes from subtracting things from our life. Or, or let me say it this way, subtracting the wrong things from our life. Jesus plus anything is confusion. So for me, if I want to grow and you want to grow in the things of God, God grows you through strategic subtraction. That he begins to take things out of our life. And Paul's saying, listen, you need to get rid of these other systems. Jesus is supreme. He says this, he's superior to the prophets. He's superior to the priests. He's superior to the angels. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to the law. He's supreme of all. And this message is easy and not complicated. And you can get it into your heart. And he's contrasting. Listen, some of you need this. He's contrasting the simplicity of Christianity, the simplicity of Christ, with the complications of the Mosaic economy. 
the complications of the legal systems of, the, of, of what they had learned for those, all those years. And he's saying what the law was weak to do because our sinful flesh, Jesus did in his own flesh at the cross. Literally, a love letter nailed to a tree, hand-delivered to your life to make it not complicated. You're like, well, I don't, why is that so important? Because it's hard to understand God in a broken world. It's hard, it's hard. You know, I've had one of the hardest pastoral weeks of my life with, with people. I'm doing, a, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a, a baby funeral this next week. I've never done that. It's hard to understand God in this broken world sometimes if we don't understand that the hand-delivered message was in Jesus. It says in verse two, he's the heir of all things that speaks of his victory and his future reign. He's the heir of all this craziness one day that he's gonna fix. He's already got the victory and he's the heir of all things. It speaks about him reigning in the future. It says that he made the worlds. It names him as creator. And the verse three, this is an amazing verse, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. It actually means he's the stamp in wax. Jesus is the die cast of God. God is saying, Paul is saying, if you see Jesus, you see God. If you see Jesus, you see the character, the content, the calling, the components, the, the conciseness of God if you see Jesus. That when you look at Jesus, you see all of who God is in every detail. I'm around my kids all the time. And so a lot of times, you know, I, I don't realize as I get familiar with them that they look like me. And so we'll meet somebody new and they're like, whoa, they're your clone. And they start freaking out. My daughter's like, shut up. I don't look like my dad. He's a man, you know. And I'm like, you look like your mama, baby, but she really looks like me. I just say that because she don't want to look like me. But, but I don't get, they're like, whoa, they're a clone. They look just like you. They look just like you. They look just like you. And, and I'm so familiar with them and around them so much, I don't realize the relation so, so easily. I don't recognize it so easily. I think we get so familiar with God or with Jesus I think we get so familiar with Jesus of who he is and it's just Jesus and it's just church and it's just, we, you know, we show up there on Sunday and you know, that's what we do and it's just Jesus. We get so familiar with Jesus that we forget he's God. We forget his relation, that he's a clone of God, that he's the express image, the stamp create, he's God. And that when our familiarity sets in, sometimes it's hard to recognize God in situations. And this world can make you wonder, like, why and what if and how come? And I'm doing a baby funeral, God, why? And God says, if you're confused, look to Jesus. If you're wondering, look at Jesus. If you want to know what I'm like, look at Jesus. If you want to know how I suffered, look at Jesus. If you want to know what I do, look at Jesus. He's kind and compassionate and called and caring and gentle and, 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 and disciplined and loving and self-controlled. And, and we can recognize God. He's the carbon copy of your father. And sometimes, listen, I, the world gets weird and it gets confusing. And I just want to encourage you, if you're wondering, if you're in a situation, he's the express image of God. You can look at Jesus and know what God is like. God, what are you like? Look at Jesus. If you're wondering today, if you're in a situation, he's peaceful He's faithful, he's gentle, he's patient, he's love, he's joy, he's peace. You know, he, he ultimately suffered in a broken world. All the suffering that doesn't make sense. He went to, to the cross without a, without a word in silence. He suffered, he was labeled amongst the murderers and the thieves. He was unjustly 
crucified. And I mean, look at G- if you want to see God's heart, look at Jesus. Paul is trying to get the message across to you and I that, that, that the thousand years of tradition that everybody went through was just part of God. That the law and the prophets are a part of God, but Jesus is the person of God. And the danger of holding on to a part of God and not the person of God is it brings confusion to people. And so when we hold on to things that aren't Jesus, all of a sudden we begin to have this confusion in our life. Listen, my wife loves puzzles. I hate puzzles. She's never done a puzzle without the picture on the box, ever. I mean, can you imagine? You can't do a thousand piece puzzle without the picture. What, what Paul is saying is that Jesus is the picture of God. The law and prophets are puzzle pieces and puzzle parts, various times, various ways. But Jesus is the actual picture of God. You can write this down. Jesus is the picture and the person of God. We need a picture to go by in a very confusing world. Verse three, it says he's the picture of God. He's the brightness of his glory. The brightness, is this helping anybody today? I know I'm kind of preaching at you, but, or to you, but, I, but the verses, I just want you to get the, the, the extravagance of these verses, all that's in these verses. He's the brightness of God's glory. With, without Jesus, God's glory is very dim in your life. Without having a full understanding of Jesus, the dimness of God's glory gets darker and darker. You're in darkness about God apart from Jesus because he's the brightness of his glory. Verse three says this, for he holds all things by the power of his word. He upholds all things by the word of his power. I love this verse in Genesis 1-3. It says that God said light be and light was. So what's amazing is that God created the universe by the power of his word, by the word of his power. He created the universe, but not only did he create the universe by the word of his power, he holds the universe together by the word of his power. So he upholds, upholds all things by the word of his power. Let me get, get into a little science thought with you right now. So in atomics or in, in an atomic uh, world, um, there's in the nucleus of an atom, there's a phenomenon that goes against the law of electricity. It's called positive clusters. Anybody in science, anybody heard about any nuclear engineers in here, any nuclear people? Yes. So, so, so there's, there's, and you can, don't tell me if I'm wrong while I'm preaching, but you can get me in the lobby after. There's something called positive clusters, and it's a phenomenon because the law of electricity, it it goes against the law of electricity. The law of electricity is that positive charges repel from one another. But if you look in the nucleus of an atom, all these positive charges have clustered together. And so if you took a tablespoon of positive charges and put them at the North Pole and a tablespoon and put it at the South Pole, it would take 30,000 tons of pressure to hold them there. So when you take magnets and you go to try to put magnets together, you have to use force to hold the magnets, to get magnets together. Are they gonna miss or push apart? You can feel it trying to repel. Well, we figured out a way to upset the balance of the atom called nuclear fission. And so we've realized that with nuclear fission, if we upset the natural flow, if we just upset the balance of the atom, if we go and, and we allow and we do something that allows the actual law of electricity to take place and we allow the actual normal process of, of atoms to repel or positive charges to repel from each other, we use a certain amount of force. We get this destruction called the atomic bomb. It's called nuclear fission, atomic fission, boom. And all of a sudden now the chaos that hits and the and the destruction that hits happens when we let those positive charges flow on their natural, their natural path. And, and the destruction that you see when positive charges go on their own path and the power, listen to me, you gotta catch this, the power that's unleashed when those charges go in their natural way, it takes the same amount of power or greater to hold them together. And the Bible says that he upholds all things 
He holds all things together by the word of his power. And so when we remove the word of God, when we remove the word of Jesus, more so the word of his power from our schools, from our homes, from our families, from our relationships, from our elections, from our governments, from our systems, from our, when we remove it from there, all of a sudden the positive charges begin to create destruction in the planet. Can't remove it. And, and, and if, you, if you say, man, I need some things held together, come on. He holds your family together. He holds your marriage. Get the word of God into your marriage. Get the word of God into your body. Get the word of God into your mind. He holds minds together. He holds ministries together. He holds marriages together. Come on. I'd have lost my mind if it wasn't for the word of Jesus. Anybody else? I'd have lost my mind. Man, he holds everything together by the word of his power. He's the image of God and he's holding things together. This should be on the screen. Jesus' word holds everything together. You want your marriage to hold together? And get a verse on it. Get a... Man, I was fighting the, the, the spirit of heaviness for a while. Spirit of heaviness. The Bible says, it just hit me the other day. The Bible, the Bible says that he gives you the garments of praise for thee. Spirit of heaviness. Many, many of you are fighting the spirit of heaviness. It's a spirit. It's not, it's not your situation. It's not your circumstance. It's not your demeanor. It's not, oh, if you, it's not what you, it's, it's a spirit that's trying to affect and infect God's people. I was fighting the spirit of heaviness, and, and all of a sudden I heard the verse that said, he's given the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Man, all of a sudden Jesus' word, like, he's like, you better start praising against this thing. And I just, I just had a kind of a revelation. They're like, wait a minute. Okay, now the power of his word just got on the scene. I can start praising this thing away from me. I can begin to worship. You, you need some word in some areas of your life that you might be under attack in. I don't know what that area is for you, but I promise you, if you get Jesus, the word of his power on it, things will begin to be held together. And you just need to do the work, write it on a card, get it on the screen, put it on your mirror, put it on your card dashboard. Come on, write, put it on the palm of your hand, somebody. If you get sweaty, write it on your forehead. I don't know what you need to do. But I, I need the word of God in front of my eyes more than ever before. Verse three, it says this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap up. I got a few minutes. Verse three, it says, when he had by himself purged our sins. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> when he had by himself purged our sins. I mean, Paul, I mean, just the implications in that thought all on his earthly ministry. When Jesus was on the earth, all through the time of his ministry, angels came and helped him. Angels showed up in the garden. Angels showed up in the desert. Angels showed up and fed him. Angels showed up and strengthened him. When he was on the cross, nobody showed up. When he was purging your sins and my sins, he was all by himself. God the Father wasn't there. The Spirit wasn't helping him. Angels weren't. They said, call on angels. He said, I'm not going to call on angels. I'm going to do this all by myself. Here's what Paul wants you to know. Jesus can handle your junk all by himself. <laughs> you, you, you don't got to fix your life and figure out. Have you ever missed trash day? Come on, somebody. You're like, oh, God, ever since you missed trash day, your heart's pounding. You hear a little beep outside your door. You're like having flashbacks, waking up like, I missed the trash. It's not even trash. You're like, I missed the trash. <laughs> Out there in your bare feet, in the rain. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You hear beep, 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 shh. You're like, oh, trash day. Wait, oh, no, no, it's tomorrow. Okay, thank God. 
That's how some of y'all act with your sins and your mistakes. You feel like you mistrashed yet. You feel like, oh, oh, I messed up. Oh, beep, beep. And like, you just, all the sins. Like, no, 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 no. Jesus is handling your trash. He, he's not going to mistrash day. He's not going to forget how you messed up, when you messed up. He is taking care of it all by himself. I just want us to let him be God. Uh, I think it's important. In the Old Testament, listen, it's amazing. The, the, the priest in the Old Testament, when it came to sacrifices, they could help all the other priests all year long. But on the Day of Atonement, when it came to sins, the high priest, just one dude, could handle all the sacrifices. That was it. It's contrasting that with Jesus saying he's the high priest. He handles all of our stuff all by himself. Here, here, write this down. Stop relying on anything but Jesus to carry your sins and cover your shame. Stop relying on anything but Jesus to carry your sins and cover your shame. Not your denomination, not your determination, not your good deeds, not your money, not your success, not your excess, not the things that you're numbing yourself with that, to cover pain, but it's just leaving you in shame. So often the devil uses temptation to get us to sin so that we, sin's not the issue with Satan. Sin he just wants to use to bring condemnation to us so condemnation can bring shame so we cover our shame and hide from God. And then we get into a cycle thinking we're not okay with God, that he hasn't taken care of it. And then we cover ourselves with things that create more shame, separate ourselves from God further. The issue, what Satan wants to do is get you to try to cover your own shame, never uncover and go, God, handle my stuff. The Bible says that he has handled everything that you're carrying, that he's God all by himself. Just enjoy. There's a hand-delivered, personalized message to you called salvation. Just enjoy it. Open it up. It's, it's already been paid for. Jesus sat down. I'm almost finished. Is this helping you today? Jesus sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, that he himself, by himself, purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. That's extravagant, guys. That's enormous. The implications of that, that a man is sitting down next to God. What's up, Dad? Paul's contrasting the Old Testament here. In the Old Testament, there was an articles of service to God. There was a tabernacle. There was a laver, and there was uh, big wash basins, and there was lampstands and oil and showbread and tables of service and tabernacles that had to be torn down and, and put up and torn down. And, and Paul is saying that Jesus has sat down at the right hand of God. You know, the only piece of furniture that wasn't used in the Old Testament to worship God was a chair. There were no chairs because the service and the sacrifice to God were continual. The work never ceased. It never stopped. Man's position with God all through the old covenant before Jesus was a constant position of servitude and trying to, to sacrifice and satisfy God. Paul's saying that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God and literally that our position goes from constantly trying to serve God and satisfy God to being seated by God in, in power and position and authority and sonship. That many of you are running around so stressed out. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Why are you running around freaked out? He's, he's sitting down. And I, I, think that we, I think that we could just sit down and be humble. <laughs> Come on, Drake. He had it right. <laughs> sit down and be humble. You ever been to one of those dinners where there's a bunch of big wigs at a certain table? Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
You're not invited to that table. You'd never just go sit down at that table and like, hey, what's up? I mean, some of you might, but they think you're weird or rude. The Bible says don't do that, by the way. It says let people invite you to the table and the places of honor and let them invite you up to those seats. Don't just take those seats, right? But, but think about it. There's still a dynamic in those rooms. Like there's the big dudes at the table, or the big girls at the table. There's the, the known speakers, the known business people, and they're at that table, and you're in the room. Maybe you're at that table. Talk to me in the lobby. I'd love to sit there with you. No, I'm just kidding. The reality is I've been in those rooms, and you're like, what's going on at that table? What are they talking about at that table? Like I don't want to go. And you're having these dynamics of relationships, talking to other people and figuring out the room and making relationships, but you're still wondering, man, that's the big dog table. Like what are they talking about at that table? You'd never just go and pose yourself and sit down at that table. But can I tell you that when I'm at my dad's house, I can sit in any seat I want. When I'm at my father's table, he actually wants me to sit at his right hand. He actually likes to sit next to me and talk to me. I don't have to worry about who's who, what I'm wearing, what I've been through, what I've done. I just actually get to go take a seat anytime I want and talk to whoever I want. God's telling you that Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, that you don't have to worry about what you're wearing, what you've done, what you look like, who you know, who you don't know, that you can sit down in the things of God and be a son or daughter of God. And you can take, you don't have to be awkward in it. You don't have to feel weird like you get to sit with God and talk to him. Here's the thing. Let me say this. When it comes to our relationship with humanity, we're always in the position of servants. When it comes to our relationship with God, we're always in the position of sons and daughters. It's a different dynamic. And so I want some of you just to relax and go, you know what? I can actually sit down in God. I'm seated in God. I'm complete in God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on real quick. I got a few minutes. I'm taking your challenge. You looked at me like, I can't do it. I'm going to do it. I've got, a, I've got a thing in my notes right here to say, stop if I'm out of time. <laughs> I, I want to get to one specific verse, and I want to end on this. That's the summation of the entire book of Hebrews, what I just gave you. Why Jesus came, what he did, his purpose, why he did it, who he is. That's the summation. Paul goes on and begins to contrast him and make an argument that runs all the way through chapter three that Jesus is greater than the angels. And the Jews begin to argue. They were big into angelic worship. Angelic worship was a secondhand relationship to God. If you remember, the Ten Commandments came through an angel to Moses the second time. It was a secondhand relationship. Take you by the hand, it's external. God wanted a firsthand relationship. Take you by the heart, internal. And so, so the Jews were going to say, well, if Jesus is better, better than the angels, then how can he be because he's a man? And how can he be because he died? And so Paul goes through tons of scriptures to prove it all the way through chapter 3. He combats these arguments. And then in verse 5 through 9, chapter 1, he gives us these new beginnings of messianic description for who Christ is. And I'm not going to get into it, but he talks about his deity, his position on a throne, his kingship being a scepter, the excellency of his impartiality and his reign, the perfection of his character on earth, the place of his subjection, the reward of him being anointed, and his preeminence with oil of gladness exalted above all of his brethren. Verses 10 through 13 establishes Christ above the angels. And then we get chapter 2, verse 1. And this is the first warning of five warnings in the book of Hebrews. It says this, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we heard about Jesus, lest indeed we drift away. That we need to be careful with who Jesus is because we have a tendency to drift. And that you and I have a responsibility to get an anchor and to not drift. You don't wake up one day and go, I hate my spouse. You drift. 
You don't wake up one day and go, I hate church, you drift. You don't, you don't wake up one day and say, I, I don't like God, I don't, you drift. And slowly you begin to drift and saying that we need to give more earnest heed. Like we don't need to be casual with this message. We don't need to think so casually of it that we can add anything and everything to it. And then he says that if the first message came from angels and proved true and there was a, there was a, a, a consequence for disobedience, What's gonna happen in verse three? How shall we escape if we neglect, if we add to, if we treat casuals this great salvation? If the old law came through angels, through a secondhand relationship, how are we gonna be saved if we walk away from the only thing that can save us, the message of Jesus? How can we turn to anything else but the message that's been hand delivered? How can we escape? There's no escape. What he's saying, there's no escape in any other system. No matter what system they're preaching to you on the news, there's no escape in social justice. There's no escape in a Republican party. There's no escape in a, in a Democratic party. There's no escape when you look what's happening in Washington. There's no escape through a vaccine. There's no escape from any other system. There's no escape from the powers of darkness apart from the person of Jesus. I said it. And many of the Christian world has bought in to all of these other escapes and all these other solutions and all these other answers. There's no escape from the power of darkness apart from the person of Jesus. And he goes on in verse four and he says, God also bearing witness with signs and wonders, with various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I'm gonna end with that verse. That God bears witness to this. I'm telling you, what I'm telling you today, God bears witness it's with signs and wonders, miracles, and the distribution of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Is the message that you carry confirmed with signs and wonders? and the distribution of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God is saying here, Paul is saying that this message is so real that God hand delivered it, signed, sealed, and delivered with miracles, signs, wonders, and power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that as you go out, there's a supernatural power in your life. What he's saying is this, your relationship to Jesus is so firsthand to God, it can't help but be supernatural. That you, you can't help being supernatural if you're related to Jesus. If you have this message of Jesus, you can't help it. And that no other system, what Paul's saying is this, and I'm gonna end with this. I've ended five times. I'm gonna end with this. What Paul is saying is stop turning to any other system that doesn't have supernatural power to change your life, to transform those around you. We can't turn to any other system. I'm gonna go into a moment of prayer right now. Listen, we've changed up our service flow a little bit. We're early in the service right now. I've got 38 seconds. Don't check out on me. What we're going to do, we've changed it. We didn't do our ministry time at the beginning. I'm gonna, we're going to begin to do a response time at the end of our services. We're still under time. I believe that God spoke to me, and I would say to you that God doesn't want us just to come receive from church. He wants us to respond to church. 
And so we're going to respond. And every week at the end of service, we're going to go back into a worship song and we're going to respond. And our prayer team is going to be down here, our ministry team, and they're going to be down here to pray with you if you need prayer about anything. We're going to have communion on these, on these stations as well. Look, there's communion on the, both sides. There's a little station on both sides of this room and actually in the back of the rooms as well. You can walk and grab communion. You can come up here and get prayer as we go into prayer. Some of you need a fresh start today. You need to respond to God with a fresh start. What do I mean by that? I mean that Jesus gave his life to remove your sin, shame, and guilt. He took care of your trash, and you're so worked up trying to take care of yourself that you really need to make him the Lord of your life today and go, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna trust you to lead my life. That's just a fresh start with God. Some of you came in here, and you just need a fresh start with God today. I'm gonna pray for that. And then after that, we're gonna respond to God and go back into a song. You can go and get communion. There's some stations in the back of the room too. There's two areas. You can come and receive prayer if you need it. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. If you're in this place and you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I need a fresh start. You're preaching crazy about Jesus and I, I've heard about him and I, I know him, but, I, but I'm not serving him. I, he's not my Lord. He's not my leader. I need a fresh start today. Maybe you've walked with God in the past, but you're away from him. Maybe you've drifted and you need a fresh start today. No one looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. But if you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. Include me in that prayer for a fresh start. Would you put your hand up to me right now? Just let me pray for you. Let me see your hand up. I need a fresh start with God. God bless you, sir. Thank you for your boldness. I, I've drifted. I need a fresh start. Just if you need a fresh start with God, don't be shy. Just put your hand up. Let me pray for you. Awesome. If you're online and you need a fresh start, come on, just type it in. I need a fresh start. I'm going to pray right now. Just simple prayer, a prayer of surrender. Father, I surrender to you right now. I give you my life. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this planet and dying for me on this cross. Thank you for taking all my sin and my shame and my guilt. Thank you for giving me a brand new fresh start. Holy Spirit, give me a brand new heart. Fill me with the life of God. Thank you for letting me sit at your table in the family of God. Jesus, I will serve you the rest of my days. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.